Fat Force Radio. Fat Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. everybody welcome back to bat force radio a batman slash dc podcast with no limits bringing you everything imaginable from the world of the dark knight and the dc universe uh, i'm gonna do something a little different tonight pretty much running dolo here running solo um tried to hit up some of the guys to talk about comics this week but nobody really rogered up i think it's been a hectic week and uh, we did just drop the adam west tribute episode with kevin porter prior to this one and prior to that was uh Susan Eisenberg, voice of Wonder Woman. So, you know, we got a bunch of uh, episodes, different guests, just hitting them out to you guys to listen. Uh, but I guess for being that it's been a hectic week, I guess I just wanted to take a little time or a little intermission with the show, so to speak. And uh, first of all, I just want to thank all the listeners out there, all you guys who listen, uh, who tune in. It's really, it's appreciated. So many of you, it's crazy. It's really appreciated. We started this thing almost two years ago. Um, just having fun and wanting to deliver everything to um, fans and especially potential fans who wanted to get into Batman and all this crazy stuff, um, comic books and uh, you know the DC universe. And um, we we wanted to talk and have fun because we were a couple of you know a bunch of close friends who had all of these crazy conversations in general. So we were like, why not just uh, do a show, put it out there, record us, and you know bring other people. And in the process, we've had everyone in the industry from actors to um you know major movie actors to uh animation voices to a bunch of writers and artists in the um, in the industry for dc and you know so many you know a bunch of story arcs covered and uh you know anything you can imagine um so it's been a hell of a ride and we've really we we've been having a blast um and it's been a great journey as well because I think for a lot of people out there that tune in, um, I think, you know, the Batman universe or the DC universe in general is very therapeutic for a lot of people. It's a good, healthy form of escapism for a lot of people, good amount of laughter, and uh, it's just um, it's just good things all around, connecting with good people, and that's what we always wanted to do. And just thinking about going back to the history of the Bat Force, we've had some hell of a times from the whole roster, from the old roster to the new roster, we went from... Uh, the original roster, we had uh, the Cult of the Batman out of New York, who was just one of the pioneers of Batman social media. Um, we had Old Fish Fingers from England, who was a funny bastard. Uh, we had Robo Rich from Detroit, who was another funny bastard and uh, super knowledgeable in a bunch of comic books in general. And we have uh, we have Grandpa Batman, everyone's f- happy, fun, jolly. Hank Hill, that has absolute unmatched passion for the Dark Knight Returns universe with Frank Miller. I know we had Bat Force Tom over in California, who um the Keaton guy and just a, a barrel of laughs and fun and a good genuine dude as well. Robin Cross up in Canada who's uh, you know, as Canadian as they get, but he's been a heavy hitter with a new comic book day in the world of comic book stores because he runs it. Um we got Archimimate 0801, old diggity, 
from West Virginia. Like, who the fuck is from West Virginia, right? Guy lives 20 minutes away from the month, man. I mean, for real, I'm not even kidding. Point Pleasant. But uh, super knowledgeable dude, too. And, uh, you know, everybody knows the Trunkler, the legendary Trunkler from Chicago. You know, he's always fun with the comics. Inventor of every new uh, Bat Force slang on the streets weekly. And Arkham Asylum LPC over in Jersey, who's been like the OP of the crew. Plus, we have the two new guys on the roster. We have the Grumpler from New York, who was literally born with like two thumbs down because he's so damn critical of the comics and everything put out. But uh, I guess we could call him the Grant Morrison Batman specialist. And uh, everybody knows the Grumps. And also, the, um, our other new guys uh, who was on the board for a really long time waiting to get in was uh, Legends of Lego Batman over in California, who's, I guess we could call him the the Lego or the Lego Batman specialist and also knows his stuff with the comics. So, uh, uh, wonderful additions to the roster always yeah it's just it's been a hell of a journey and a blast and just lifelong memories with all the craziness with this bat force crew and so much fun in general in this day and age especially with all the video games and movies and animation that just keeps hitting out of dc and just you know connecting with good friends all over the place a uh, quick a uh, big shout out to the cat force um up and coming group so far comprised of four girls who are close friends um all who which are um, heavily read in comics, really know their stuff in the comics and really passionate about DC and passionate about the female characters in DC. And uh, they got a thing going. To, um, it's the Cat Force over on Instagram and uh, definitely tons of potential in that group. So um, shout out to them. Good friends of ours. And um, and also a big shout out to all the enamel pin makers that we work with. Bat enamel pin makers. If you like Batman pins and you know pins and patches are just crazy these days so uh a good friends that we work with are check out l black bat the pin studio shy human effects farts by dallas duncan artworks and blackened design who are a bunch of good friends of ours that make just amazing batman pins specialized in batman pins so that's been a lot of fun the enamel game has been crazy so uh, and you know it's all our friends that we made over the course of the bat force so far there's just been countless people overall from you know every format of social media and all over the place and whoever's listening shout out to everyone overseas i see the stats on the show and we have listeners from every pretty much every country that i can think of with just about i would say at least you know about 90 percent of the world's countries um at least one or two listeners from even the most smallest countries you would never even think of you know all our uk friends all our european friends ireland australia japan India, uh, the Middle East, everywhere, man. Russia, we just, you know, we hear you guys. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And, uh, you know, hit us up anytime. Like I said earlier, badforceradio at gmail.com or on social media. Connect. Let us know what you guys want to hear or how you guys want to interact. Uh, also, if you can, leave us a rating and review over on iTunes if you tune in from iTunes. That would be much appreciated so we can get the word out for the show. And uh, we will read them on the show as well, I promise. Bad or good. <laughs> So I'm just going to bang out three major um, Batman comics that uh, hit recently for those who read comics or for those who don't but just like to hear the great stories that come out of these books. Uh, I'm just going to go through all the craziness that's been going on in Batman number 25 in the Rebirth era, the first uh, part of the War of Jokes and Riddles, the Joker vs. the Riddler. Then I'm going to get into Detective Comics number 958 and Dark Days the Forge, which which is going to segue us into... um, this summer's event called Dark Knight's Metal. So that's going to be. Cool. This is Paul Dini, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. So let's get into 
Batman number 25 in the Rebirth era by Tom King. And I have to admit, the way Tom King writes the Joker in this story is, to me, reminiscent of the way Jeff Loeb handled the Joker in, like, uh, The Long Halloween or Dark Victory. It's It was that good. I really enjoyed this. And uh, it, it I think... Uh, so the War of Jokes and Riddles is going to be this ongoing arc where it's the Riddler. It's like a turf war between the Riddler and the Joker. And some really crazy stuff pops off in this um, issue. Because, uh, first of all, it starts out with the Riddler stabbing a copper and inter interrogator in an in inter interrogation room 26 times. I believe one for each letter of the alphabet. And then while in, his, uh, in the process of him attempting to escape... He pretty much recites the names of all the guards' daughters. And as he's doing it, one by one, each guard is just freaking out. I mean, full-blown big-ass dudes in SWAT gear, like, fucking freaking out because the Riddler somehow was able to gain that access through another guard about these um, guards' families and how, you know, they're all in danger if they don't get the fuck out of the way and let the Riddler out of jail. So the Riddler escapes, all while the Joker is on the, a killing spree in Gotham attempting to figure out a funny joke and you gotta you know he's saying shit like uh a woman walks into a bullet or he's reciting this joke in the car where he says a man goes to a toy store and says he would like to buy a new boomerang and also he would like to know how to throw away his old one so i guess the driver thought that was a lot funnier than the joker did and joker puts a bullet behind his head uh, causing them to crash and the Joker just crawling out. So obviously a Joker's not in a good mood for some reason. He's just trying to figure out this perfect joke. All while the Riddler finds out the Joker's pent finds the whereabouts of the Joker's penthouse hideout or whatever it is. Uh, figures out how to gain access in terms of a password to go through the elevator to get up there. And addresses Joker in his office overlooking Gotham City. Where the Riddler proposes that the Joker and the Riddler team up to kill Batman. Because he said one can't do it without the other. Or one shouldn't do it before the other. Following that, the Joker wasn't too happy. Puts a gun right to the gut of the Riddler and shoots. Uh, pretty much leaving, leaving him for dead. While Batman arrives later on the scene. Um, and then there's a flashback to where they show just this all-out war breaking down in Gotham. Where you could see Poison Ivy going at uh, Mr. Freeze. And that was pretty awesome because one, I don't see... It looked like shadows, so it, it doesn't look like the black arms that Poison Ivy had in the New 52 era, which looked really stupid, really X-Men-ish, so Ivy's looking good. And Mr. Freeze finally has his full-blown arm gear again, so there's no skin exposed, and he doesn't have that stupid little white hipster patch on his head. I mean, what the fuck, New 52, man? Ugh, don't, let's not even get started about that. And in the flashback, they also show the Mad Hatter going at the Scarecrow, and uh, the Ventriloquist shooting at Two-Face. And uh, Deadshot and Deathstroke fighting. Come on, man. You know Deathstroke's going to whoop that fucking ass, man. Fuck Deadshot, man. Send his ass back to the Suicide Squad movie. Uh, you got other people. Solomon Grundy and Croc going at it with Clayface and Man Bat and uh, the Penguin. And um, I think that might be Firefly. Just, yeah, Firefly. Basically, Tom King is just pulling all. all he's going to pull all of the toys out of the toy box for this um, arc. The War of Jokes and Riddles. And I think th this is this is already gearing up to be the best, the most intense story that Tom King has done um, within his Batman career since the Rebirth era started. Um, man, I advise anybody that's a fan of anything, if you're going to read something, I would read The, the War of Jokes and Riddles uh, in the Batman series, which comes out every two weeks. 
I'm sure you can find it online if you don't have access to a comic book store. But this is going to be a banger, man. This, this is going to be an all-out war. You know, so, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Now let's get into Detective Comics number 958 by James Tynan. And uh, this one is really fun as well. It pretty much starts out with Batwing, Asriel, and Batwoman uh, pretty much at... Uh, Madison Square Garden of Gotham City, pretty much where the basketball and the hockey teams play. But uh, while they're <laughs> during while they're watching the game, uh, Nomos appears, hurt and distressed. Pretty much, Nomos is what appears to be a a furry alien type character who was also Asriel's mentor. Um, so this is pretty interesting because he just shows up, hurt, looking for Asriel at the basketball game. It's like, like yeah, hold on, LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony. We got Alf, you know coming through and uh, in need of medical attention so uh, then we cut over to Bruce Wayne heading over to the iceberg lounge on the water uh, really nice uh, visual um, depiction of the iceberg lounge actually uh, in this comic it's fuck I'd like to go there it's just, it looks uh, fun as hell um, just this big ice club on you know pretty much the border of Gotham on the water and uh Bruce Wayne shows up and mentions that he's actually there to see a performer as opposed to gambling or at least that's what he tells the penguin even though it's been sold out but the penguin arranges um a special performance for him and I guess a group of other men uh in the iceberg lounge so uh then we cut right back to the belfry which is like the overlooking watchtower in Gotham City that's acting as the Batcave for this team and uh, we can, we see Cassandra Kane pretty much practicing her acting skills with Clayface. <clears throat> and as the rest of the team uh, shows up, they bring in Nomos for medical attention in the lab. And uh, he's pretty much recalling how um, Asriel's background and how the character Mother from Batman and Robin uh, Eternal, which is a really badass character actually, uh, was one that they wanted to shape Asriel as a weapon, but it wouldn't work because there were other factors involved. So in the end, they, um, a new character was born called Escalon, I believe it is. And he's considered to be the new Asriel, uh, who um, might be capable of wielding the Holy Sword of Dumas. Um, but at the same time, might be, uh, I guess, somewhat of a bad guy for Dumas, just like this hitman. But we're not quite sure yet. But then we cut over, um, then we cut back over to the Iceberg Lounge, where Bruce Wayne is pretty much sitting with Suge Knight. Yeah, you, you got to read it to see. Yeah, it's pretty much. <laughs> and uh, Killer Moth and a bunch of other powerful men as they're awaiting entertainment while at the gambling table, the poker table. Um, but then all of a sudden, a huge blast comes through the door. And uh, I guess Escalon shows up looking to cause trouble or something. And uh, while this is all happening, you hear a female voice say, Tag Yave, which is pretty much get heavy backwards. And then it reveals Zatanna, which is pretty badass and a great... Um, depiction of Zatanna as well uh, always good to see Zatanna especially Zatanna done right so I'm really excited now being that uh, James Tynan's bringing her and I think one of the main successes of Detective Comics so far is the fact that James Tynan is bringing in all of these different characters that we love so much uh, mainly the badasses I mean we're talking you know Clayface, Cassandra Kane, Batwoman and uh, now's you know now he's using Zatanna so uh, I think even though Detective Comics is like the flagship series and should usually deal with Batman doing detective work. Um, I think this success is primarily due to the fact that James Tynan is using a lot of fan favorite characters and figuring out how to juggle them well. He's come a long way as uh, Scott Snyder's uh, protege or student or whatever you want to call him. And uh, James Tynan is like just straight up eating the, a lot of the competition right now. He's just straight up putting mustard and ketchup on a good chunk of the competition right now and just swallowing it all. So he's doing his thing. 
and it's a lot of fun to read. Definitely read Detective Comics and the Rebirth there if you can. I think you know really enjoy it if you like the the badass uh, version of the Bat Family and a lot of those characters as well. So that's been really good. Now let's get into one of the most anticipated and highly talked about uh, books that recently hit, which is uh, put out by DC Comics, which is Dark Days: The Forge. And I don't even know where to start with this book, but if you're like heavy into DC, this is crazy. It really it starts off with Carter Hall, Hawkman, uh, who uses Antimetal, and uh, it's a little bit of a flashback, pretty much opening up this story. So it's like explaining the whole metal thing. Uh, as opposed to everyone thinking it's, you know, like metal music or whatnot. Um, and then we, you know, go right into the Bermuda Triangle where tremors are just erupting all over in the Earth's core. And uh, Batman pretty much shows up in a volcano-proof robot vehicle uh, to save Dr. Madison, a research scientist over there. Uh, the thing is the suit can't handle the heat or the pressure, I suppose. So pretty much Aquaman uh, gets Bats and the Doctor out of the water and saves them. It was a big secret as to why Bruce Wayne has this secret research facility over there. And then he uh, mentions, um, I guess it's as big of a secret as what is locked underneath Atlantis, throwing it right back at Aquaman. And then um, there are reports of rumbles in every corner of the universe while Hal Jordan is sent. Uh, he's given coordinates, which uh, would leave him right up to the... Uh, Wayne Manor, or I guess you could say the Batcave, uh, to investigate something about these secrets that are locked. He kind of like bumps into Duke Thomas while he is in the back, while he's entering the Batcave and searching and uh, or investigating, I should say. And then they mention about how uh, Duke Thomas's mother, Elaine Thomas, who is still a victim to the the Joker, I guess, or whatnot, has a lot of secrets locked in her mind as well because she was offered um, immortality. Uh, going back to the Hawkman flashbacks where Anthemetal, um, he was talking about how Anthemetal grants him eternal life into the cycle of reincarnation. And he said how he caught glimpses of a mystery behind all of their lives between being born again. And it was something dark. You know, flashing over to uh, Batman in the Batcave where Mr. Terrific was sharing data with Batman from another world. Uh, something that they've been working on and how he mentioned that a blue, a blue like frequency across worlds has been grow has been growing stronger and much more random. So then they uh, approach this vault where it appears to be the egg that is frozen, uh, pretty much uh, encapsulating Plastic Man. Plastic Man being one of those really old and classic DC characters that are excellent in terms of comedic relief and whatnot. Almost as if someone on reserve to help in turn in a time of a specific crisis. Uh, then we float back over to the Batcave where Hal and Duke expo are exploring the Batcave. As to where uh, Hal's ring, uh, the Green Lantern's ring, picked up something, but it can't identify it. Almost like an entity. But as to going through the Batcave, it all, this all goes back to the re, this all goes back to research, or the research that goes back to the Court of Owls, which was uh, Scott Snyder's uh, beginning uh, arc for the New 52 run of Batman. And talking about how there's actually nth metal in the Talon Tooth, which Batman has encapsulated in the Batcave, uh, along the Trident and Wonder Woman gauntlets, which is pretty crazy i mean fucking batman is just thinking of everything and just planning for everything um and then being that um how jordan's ring still can't figure out the entity or identify it they continue to lurk in the back cave with or investigate in the back cave with duke thomas and then that that shoots us back over to batman in the fortress of solitude with uh superman reborn superman where he needs to access a hidden vault um where he needs mr miracle to actually act as the key to open it and in doing so, what the vault reveals is the tower of the Anti-Monitor from Infinite Crisis, 
which is pretty fucking nuts because that mimics universes and creates Earths. So Batman potentially could bring universes into other worlds, like fixing maybe even fixing up a lot of the old New 52 crap. The story ends with uh, Green Lantern and Duke um, opening up another hidden vault in the Batcave, revealing a sinister Joker, the Joker, which hasn't been seen in a while in this continuity. So freaking how this basically uh, Dark Days Forge is just an insane opener to a whole array of worlds and continuity shifting and continuity addition and god knows what but and it's very bat centric because obviously batman is the main key player in all of this who has been planning for whatever's coming or investigating whatever is coming for quite some time and everything is just adding up from like the whole spectrum of the dc universe and its history from the golden age and those characters uh, to today so i mean if you're a dc fan go hop online or go to your comic dark days the forge uh this is a must read because it's also going to go into uh, segue us right into uh dark knights metal which is going to change the dc universe forever and obviously batman is you know the key player in this all in terms of uh what has to be done and what has to be countered so highly recommend jim lee art as well i mean the car that foil cover boy Woo-wee. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Bat Force Radio. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We love you. Stay positive. Stay happy. Stay healthy. If you're going through some shit, hang in there. Connect with us. Life's too short. So let's make the best of it. And whatever happens in life, we'll see you guys in the Bat Cave. Mr. Snyder.